Hello and welcome to The Watchmen, a movie podcast of occasionally conflicting opinions. I'm Connor. I'm Chris. I'm Jack. And we're going to be talking about Rope today by Alfred Hitchcock. And uh, But before we get into our analysis of it, next month we are going to be watching The Deer Hunter. A month after, right? Or, huh? Or we... Oh, I thought you were... No, yeah, man. for February we're going for to be February. watching The Deer Hunter, Jack. Well, I thought you were like, oh, so... let's take a while, but no man. Yeah. So, here on The Watchmen... this guy happy. <laughs> Here on The Watchmen, we break down a movie's uh, directing, acting, uh, editing, you should cinematography. Write this down I, so do, you I do write this down, it. but I'm trying to do it off the dome this time. That's not working out for you. <laughs> it's not working out great. Like Editing, acting, cinematography, directing, and then we get into an analysis a little bit. Yeah, we like to have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, Jack. You know what they say, girls just want to have fun. True. By that, they mean analysis. So, initial impressions of Rope. What did you guys think? I loved it. I loved thought it was it. amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't usually enjoy older films, but uh, I, I very much enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. I was happy I watched it. It's a good use of an hour and 20 minutes. Super short, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I even watched the credits. You watched the credits? They were at the beginning. Oh, <laughs> true. What about you, Jack? Sly dog. Yeah. But, uh, no, I liked it. Um, I liked that I got to go in fresh. Didn't uh, really yeah. um, hear much about it or yeah. anything it's, like that. It's um, the best way to watch a movie. Exactly, yeah. But uh, no, I, I liked the acting a lot. Um, the story was awesome. Yeah. Like, I just, I really like it when they, um, when the story kind of limits itself uh, to uh, one setting. It uh, can create some interesting things, uh, which it did. So, yeah. yeah. I loved it. I actually really liked. Um, Why don't you marry it? God, Jack's in a mood today. <laughs> uh, I actually really like the writing. I think uh, the writing and the acting were the standouts for me. Mm-hmm. I said story, but yeah, but the dialogue was amazing. And, Dialogue's um, part of the story, dude. Yeah, God, Connor. And I had this is my first Alfred Hitchcock movie, and I totally understand the whole master of suspense thing because mm-hmm. not only are there like scenes of suspense within it, the entire movie is so suspenseful yeah. in the way that it's structured. Yeah. I was on the edge of my bed watching this. <laughs> it's so, also a sorry. So, no, go. No, I think it's an awesome example too of a dramatic irony. It's like really, really cool. Oh yeah, of it. yeah, yeah. It's just me, no, showing that I know words. But yeah, you do. Yeah. English major over here. It's, yep. it's literally like the example of dramatic irony. Yeah. If you were like saying <laughs> no, dramatic it's an irony, hour and twenty them. minutes. No, exactly. Of dramatic irony. Yeah, like if you want to know what it is, like just watch Rope. Like it's just yeah. example after example. Like, it's dramatic irony within dramatic irony. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, let's get into the acting here. Uh, sure. Start off with the acting. So, <clears throat> obviously, James Stewart was the big, like, was the big actor in this. Yeah, he was. Having been, having been James Stewart at the time. And he's so At huge. the time. Was there a time that James Stewart wasn't James Stewart? I don't know, man. <laughs> but, for me, John Dahl playing Brandon really stole the show. Yep. Yeah. Like I, I would agree. I totally. I think the two guys actually like as much. I think John Dahl had the bigger role, but I have to give it also to uh, Farley Granger. Yeah, Philip. Thank you. I was the guy who played Philip. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job, especially with just reactions uh, more yeah. than any dialogue or anything oh, like, like that. Oh, like the metronome scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, metronome like scene. Amazing. Or it's like whenever you watch, like sometimes he's in the background a lot, and oh, like yeah. you'll hear like. I think John Dahl is uh, his character is so dumb because he just makes murder puns. 
at the party. I loved it. No, I loved that. I loved that part of the story, and I love that it like made it really creepy. Yeah. But in reality, don't make murder puns (laughs) after you murder someone. (laughs) Also, when you're in the room where the guy got murdered. But anyway, but like you could see whenever like John Dahl got like a bit too like fun or a bit too carried away, you could see Philip in the background kind of getting tensed up and like very nervous. Yeah. And I thought it was just very, very good acting. Yeah. The way they played off of each other was was perfect. It fit the film perfectly. Yeah. It's just not, it's not just action. It's reaction. And I think it's very, uh, it was very well done. In my experience of like older films like that, I find like a lot of times some of the less notable actors are very stiff for most of the movie. Yeah. yeah. You know, like a lot of times you'll have like one or two big names and they'll be the main characters. Then everybody else is just like a robot. In yeah. The and they'll wait like, for their line to do something. Yeah. Where it's like exactly. they don't understand their people there and but, they have to act as such. Yeah. And, and throughout this film, you know, everybody's always doing something. There are always background conversations and yeah. there are real things being said. Mm-hmm. And if you focus hard enough, and I actually went back and like re-listened to certain scenes to try and focus on... Uh, what they were saying in the background. They're always having a real conversation. They're always doing something real in the background. Yeah. They're always like very animated, you know? They're yeah, really, really awesome example of like setting, just the Maison scene and the, the people in the shot, basically. Yeah. And they're all, how they were all like precisely arranged because this movie is so precisely arranged. Yes. The way the camera just like floats through all of these mm-hmm. conversations and stuff. Yeah. And it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, according to what I've been reading, because I did some research on the actual filming of the movie cameras could only actually film for 10 minutes yeah. at that point mm-hmm. wow. and so that's why you see him dip and like yeah. change shots like it's not subtle to us but back then it, it was like this movie yeah. looks like it was in one shot yeah except for when it cuts mm-hmm. but which is only two times i think yeah usually the they use the cover of people's backs to yeah or like going behind a chair yeah, yeah. yeah. i like the i like the backs as yeah. well I, I really liked when he did that it was interesting yeah i think there were only three actual cuts in the whole movie that i saw mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was very little. Yeah, um, one of them I was actually at the beginning, mm-hmm. at the very beginning when they look at the window and then they cut to yeah to the guy being strangled. Mm-hmm. Also, to comment on, I don't know where we're at in our sections. Are we doing acting? Well, yeah, I feel like that that worked into acting because everybody just looked so natural. Yeah, and yeah. like they they totally sold the setting because yeah. it was based off of a play, and you totally need that yeah. Yeah. to be like. Yeah, I could see where that would be an awesome play. Like you could tell the act. Like it's a very acting based kind of i don't know the word but uh it's for actors i think unlike other movies <laughs> no but these roles you get to really like play with them i think and you get to see these actors do that and uh mm-hmm. it was just they got to do some really neat stuff uh, that i liked a lot yeah. because really the the bottom line of the movie was how these people handled committing murder mm-hmm. yeah you know? and that's that's all in character mm-hmm. work yeah, and it was it wasn't even just them either. Like it was like the the worried father yeah. or like the uh Yeah, because everybody was gradually getting more and more worried when mm-hmm. they found out that um David wasn't coming home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like party. Yeah, and I went in like the only thing I knew was just that these two would be trying to hide a body yeah. and like trying to get by. But then you get you see these other little subplots and these other um situations going on. Like you got the father worrying about David, you got the girlfriend annoyed at john Dahl, worried about the boyfriend also um she's in an awkward situation with her ex yeah. and i just you could see that all even when they weren't talking or addressing that situation mm-hmm. directly you could see that they they had that in them and they were trying to deal with it uh and it was it was really cool and then i always like these like 
either party scenes or like dinner scenes and that stuff where it's people always have to struggle trying to keep their like own situations and their own awkwardness in and they're really struggling and you can see in this too they're really struggling to keep this party like okay mm-hmm. and then sometimes yeah. it'll just completely like melt down and they're like ah and they try and pick it up back together but i really like seeing these yeah actors. when they start talking about like how the the um rupert Cato, the the professor's theology and like yeah, philosophy exactly. on murder yeah and then the, the whole party just like grinds to a halt exactly. yeah. yeah with the father's outburst i love that because it's like you could actually feel that like awkwardness there mm-hmm. just everybody's just doesn't know what to do yeah because it's like james stewart he he he's kind of reserved in the way that he played up his philosophy he's like yeah i, I believe in this whatever whatever yeah. and then brandon comes in and just totally <laughs> yeah. hyperbolizes and escalates that to yeah. a point where people are just so uncomfortable yeah it was like a good party joke and you could see like even like the very civilized um grown-ups were playing in on it just like yeah. oh i'd love to yeah. like take out the clerk or something like that <laughs> yeah they were having like, like pop a, him in the head a discussion know. about it but it w- yeah, wasn't too serious until yeah. brandon started like yeah and then, really jumping on like this is a real thing that we should a, make this happen yeah that was a really good example of his acting where he just got very yeah. excited and it was like genuine excitement mm-hmm. you saw it, like it was very cool yeah and when um james stewart was like you always stutter when you're when you're excited and yeah. then he started like you would see him start to stutter yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. yeah yeah that relationship the uh the brandon um What's James Stewart's character? Rupert Cato. Rupert, um, Brandon and Rupert's relationship is really interesting. I liked seeing them them talk or when like, just the act of Brandon bringing Rupert. Much about Brandon. Just he he likes the challenge. Yeah. He likes the danger. He wanted to impress his old teacher. Yeah, and it's yeah. also like it, yeah, you're right. It's like also kind of an impress yeah. kind of. He looks up to yeah, him. Yeah, and it was like that classic like serial killer kind of thing who just like leaves a clue or like tells a person like oh let's play a game like that thing is yeah. they want to like yeah. feel that excitement of maybe getting caught and mm-hmm. they want that challenge. Yeah, and I feel I feel like it was. It was more than just like a serial killer, though. Oh like, yeah, that's... no, I'm not. That because... was just an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, that's what kind of brought it to something more than just kind of like a regular slasher <laughs> yeah. movie or something like that. Yeah, that's why I like this villain so much. It was just like killing to kill. It's the perfect murder scenario. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. And it's like they brought up. Actually, I'll, I'll get into it when we talk about analysis. But the whole Ubermensch thing. Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. brought that up a lot. Yeah, yeah um, I was waiting for it the whole time. That's like, was I, Where's yeah. Nietzsche? <laughs> yeah. Also, um, crime and punishment. I liked when he said that. And I'm like, yeah, I was waiting for that one. True, true. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about acting? acting. Um, oh, I really liked the um, the father's sister a lot. I I liked. I thought she, <laughs> she was played just, that oblivious character. Yeah, really she well. did a really <laughs> good like co- comic relief yeah. slash like great depiction of upper class white society. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen. Um, Oh, what is it? Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. I've seen that so many times, yep. every year, multiple times. But I've never really appreciated uh, him as an actor, Stuart as an actor, until this movie. And I was like, wow, he's actually a real actor. He's not just that character in this one movie. <laughs> yeah. I actually haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life. I'm a monster, I know. Yeah, but... well. It's your problem. Yeah, James Stewart was great in this movie. Yeah. But again, like, I feel like John Dahl totally, totally 
stole the show for me personally yeah. mm-hmm. like his his slyness the way he would like just kind of maneuver around the room and yeah the way he was just manipulating everything and so confident in himself to do that yeah and, and how much and he loved it that too yeah. like it wasn't there was no other motive he just wanted chaos in the yeah. party and it was great he was playing with everybody because he knew he could mm-hmm. yeah. or thought he could yeah. and then also this goes a little with a little bit with acting uh more with writing, but just the relationship between um, Philip and Brandon, I really liked. Yeah, as well. Like it was just, it reminded me of Rick and Morty, where it was like <laughs> Philip was just so Morty. It's yeah. like, oh, geez, Rick, maybe we shouldn't have killed this guy. But like, <laughs> but I, I really liked it. It was just like it was a very um, unique, like contrast. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So, do we want to get into the cinematography? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a, the obvious place to leap after acting. Mm-hmm. Because this movie, um, like like we said, it was uh, made to look like it was shot in a couple takes. Yeah. Because there are there are definite cuts in the movie. But it's just kind of like, I, I love how, like I said before, I love how the camera just kind of floats through the party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, you feel like kind of omniscient in the yeah. way that the camera just kind of zooms in a conversation and then goes to another conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that, like, this um, this story is really, like, when I saw there was a play first, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, this was made as a play, and you could, I think, like, the major thing that Alfred Hitchcock brought to this adaptation was his camera work. Like, yeah. the acting you could see in a stage, and, like, the setting is, you could also see on stage, but the stuff he did with that camera is really what, like, added to it and mm-hmm. added to the suspense uh, and uh, just made the movie what it is, I think. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of creative shots and creative you know just following the camera like you were saying following following the camera around the party, mm-hmm. and like the way it was all one continuous shot or it all felt like one continuous shot really helped drag out the suspense and really like kept you focused on everything. There were no hard cuts to distract you or change focus. Everything flowed together mm-hmm. very well because of the way it was filmed. Mm-hmm. Also, he made like great decisions on when to keep the camera still. I think yeah. that's a like especially the one where uh it's uh the uh the maid is cleaning up the uh the yep. chest. I was going to I think about that this. was that yeah. was oh genius filmmaking is just like keep the camera on her and mm-hmm. let Jim, James Stewart talk. That was and, one of the things that I was going to talk about in terms of suspense. That I think that is was, like that was the ultimate of, suspense moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was alone and I was like shit shit shit, but uh yeah, yeah. it was great. Yeah. And Brandon tells her to put the books back in the chest and you're like, "Uh you sure you want to do that right now?" <laughs> yeah. <dude?" laughs> you going to stop her anytime? Like every time she comes back, you're like, "Oh, she's going to open it this time." And then she just takes something else off the table and brings yeah. it back. And the distance was excruciating. Yeah. Like watching her go back and forth, I yeah. was like, "Ah." I honestly was so focused on her moving that I forgot to listen to the conversation that was going on. Yeah, no, I, don't I think honestly, you were supposed to. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I didn't at all. I was so <laughs> I, involved. I remember it adding something, but honestly, yeah. like I was trying to remember uh, as I was talking about it, and I, I can't. I just remember seeing her. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. And the gun. Uh, how um how Brandon has a gun in his pocket yeah the entire time mm-hmm. it's like that that's the classic Hitchcock where it's like the audience knows something yeah. that the character doesn't know yeah, yeah no I loved how he how he showed that dramatic irony like he had it like I think th- three or four times kind of like with a uh, James Stewart in the cigarette case or something he would mm-hmm. like show you that object before anybody else knew about it and yeah. it's like now let's see what happens yeah um yeah his close-ups are great yeah I loved how um. I think the the maid left. Uh, the maid left, and it's it's like 
it came out of focus a little bit and i'm like why did it come out of focus and then brandon just comes into frame with the gun yep and like mm-hmm. loads the gun and puts it in his pocket and yep. i th- thought that was awesome yeah yeah and i think um the one other uh actually there are two others but the one other like piece of camera work that really got to me was james stewart's um theory as to how um his hypothetical uh telling of the murder of the murder yeah yeah yeah. how it zoomed around yeah how it like the camera told the story like for the audience it was was just like following around the potential murder Mm -hmm. yeah whereas like i almost saw like jimmy stewart hypothetically do that like i could Mm -hmm. see the characters and where it happened yeah that was amazing yeah i like how um i'm looking at the cast list here on imdb and uh it says his friend brandon under the character names like his friend brandon his friend philip their housekeeper david's rival uh david's girl his father his aunt mm-hmm. like it's yeah. it's all related it's to, all david. Relation to yeah. david yeah that's cool mm-hmm. yeah i noticed that in the the credits at the end how it went through that way and it was like very interesting way to present it and i thought it you know, it was cool yeah <laughs> the, can we talk about how it just like totally completely like you're looking at an outside view of just like people walking on the street or whatever for the opening credits and then yep. it just hard cuts to a dude being strangled yeah <laughs> No, and that's the thing, like, it, like, it immediately, like, breaks the rule of, like, thrillers and murder mysteries. It, like, shows you who did it, how it was done, and, like, mm-hmm. who was killed. It, all in, that, like, yeah. the first minute. Yeah. Yep. Like, and then just, I was standing there, like, what are you going to do now? Yeah. Like, just, it, it turns the whole idea on its head of, like, most of the time in a mystery like that, you're trying to figure out who's dead or who killed them or what happened and how it happened and yeah. how they got away with it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, everything, you know, every detail of yeah. what happened and why, mm-hmm. and you're just watching them get to, away with it. Yeah. 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 yeah and it's just, you're, he forces you on it. He yeah. forces the information on, on you. Just I don't like, advocate yeah. killing, but from like the first minute of this movie, I wanted them to get away with it. Yeah. No, I, I was rooting for those guys. <laughs> that's, like was, that's what it's counting on to build that suspense is that you are going to side with them and you want them to get away yeah, with it. You yeah. don't want you them to get caught. at least understand what they're trying to yeah. like do. And also the thing is like, those are the only, those are the first characters and the only two characters we have to connect to for the first, mm-hmm. uh, five, 15 no, yeah, like yeah. probably 10 minutes, yeah. 10 minutes. And so like, again, we're almost forced to root for these characters because they're the only ones we can root for. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones we've spent the most time with. Yeah. And also, John Dahl is just so smooth. That's true. Yeah, he's just like a little snake. Yeah, it's like slither, slither all, all over the place. Mm. I like that we don't ever get a single line from David, and he's the focus of the entire movie. Oh yeah, and but the thing is, like his characterization is actually pretty well done. Yeah, like for a guy who's seen what, like once. indirectly, hmm? indirectly, yes. yeah, yeah, through all of everybody Sorry. else, yeah, through the conversations. Um, and uh, all the other characters like we get to kind of know who david is yeah as yeah. soon as he was in the chest i forgot everything about what he looked like yeah yeah and but it doesn't, then, it doesn't matter it doesn't because matter. like you have a clear picture of him anyway yeah. from all these people talking about him yeah 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 um so in terms of writing i feel like we've already said a lot about the writing but just like the dialogue in between everybody was so smooth mm-hmm. and so realistic. Yeah. And uh, that, that was what I really loved about it because if it wasn't realistic, it totally wouldn't have sold any of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you have unrealistic dialogue in this situation, it's like the acting doesn't matter. The, um, the, uh, the suspense is ruined. Exactly. The suspense is ruined. The cinematography doesn't mean yeah. anything. Yeah. Cause it's like, why am I watching this? If I'm just not believing in the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and it's like it's great depictions of like this this high class society like it's not like normally if i hear people say it i'm like yeah douche but like i actually just like i was immersed in this world like i was just mm-hmm. yeah like, like a new york characters. high rise yeah or whatever and um yeah you got you have these like college graduates who are very intellectually um sound mm-hmm. kind of yeah i think that was one of the first things that really blew me away about this movie was how detailed all of the conversations were yeah and how much like a party it really felt and there's one i think it's when people start to leave but there are two conversations going on at the same exact time two pairs of people standing side by side both talking to each other mm-hmm. and there are two distinct conversations going on at the same volume level and i couldn't figure out which one to focus on i was yeah. like looking back and forth <laughs> between them like who who do i listen to here what am i supposed to be getting out of this and yeah he made it a legit party yeah it's, yeah and every time he walked away from you know anytime two people would get up and walk away and the camera would follow them whoever they left behind would start up a new conversation about something mm-hmm. and you could hear that in the background while they were talking yeah and it was very it was very real for like the entire time. And that's important to keep you immersed in it, to, to keep you on the edge of your seat and keep that suspense up, is that you you have to be paying attention for yeah. the whole thing to understand what's happening and to, to see what's going on. And yeah. that detail really drags you in. And Yeah, it's interesting. There. It can like, like as much as I like the, the concept behind it, like that alone can only hold an audience for so long, mm-hmm. like not an hour and a half. Yeah. But it's just like the way you're put into this, this story keeps you there yeah and like, yeah can we talk about how um brandon gives the dad the books wrapped in the rope oh god i, I thought that was so brutal oh my yep. god i was like damn just that that hurts brandon that yeah. hurts that's cold like killing someone is cold but then giving your giving his the man you killed father the rope you used to kill his son that's pretty cold yup he While was, he's worried about David, yeah. too. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's not just handing it to him. It's like on his way out to look for David. And you're like, oh, yeah, I strangled him with that thing you're holding. <laughs> Awkward. It's like the entire time they were trying to get caught because he knew that they wouldn't catch him. Yeah. You know, they knew they wouldn't be able to put the pieces together. They wouldn't suspect him. And even the, the conversation about the uh, chicken strangling. Mm. Oh I thought that God. was genius. Yeah. It's so, like, heavy-handed, but you know that it's supposed to be heavy-handed. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't supposed to be so. Yeah, it was, it was his way of confessing the murder to yeah. them. And uh, I, that's, that being said, though, I, I liked how oblivious everybody else was to the murder, but I really liked watching James Stewart kind of put all the pieces together in his yeah. head. Mm-hmm. Because you could see, like, his thought process. You could see the gears turning with every, like, little bit of information or clue that he got as to the kind of suspicious activity that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And even when the camera's not focused on him, he's always like, you see him walking around the room, just trying to figure it out. He's yeah. Just like, oh. He's like, something is awry. Yeah. Yeah. And then the ending, we haven't really talked about the ending all that much. Mm, yeah. I got a, I got a problem with uh James Stewart's uh, outburst. Really? A little bit. Uh, when he said like, when he started going, Oh, I, um, you definitely took my words uh and like twisted them and all that stuff but i'm like wait your exact words were i think murder is okay i really don't <laughs> think you can twist them in a different way than what you did james Stewart. like he was yeah, definitely just was... trying to like put it on them and yeah. blame it on them when he was just preaching like murder is okay yeah 
I feel uh, you there with, with a little bit of it, you know, just... Oh, yeah, no, I'm, was, I'm still blaming the guys who murdered yeah, the person. Yeah, like, I'm not saying let them get get, get off scot-free. But, but it was, was his idea. Yeah, that exactly. Like, if you're a teacher and you're teaching children, I would suggest veering away from topics such as maybe murder is Well, they're college bad. kids. I understand. Like, he, like he has to like own up It's an intellectual to, discussion at that point, and, like, they completely yeah, where, took it literally. Yeah, but it's like... I think he should still own up to it. Like, And also the thing is, it wasn't this one hypothetical situation. This was the main topic of discussion yeah, all the time. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. It was essentially what he had taught Brandon. Yeah. And it was like, it yeah, was how to murder people okay if you're, like, if you're, like, you know, smart enough and yeah. they're dumb enough. Yeah. You just but kill think, them. Nobody cares. I think that, like, he, yeah, he was trying to pin it on them, but he totally goes back on it though he did, like, yeah, yeah he did say later on it's like oh now i'm gonna take it away like yeah i'm completely yeah, wrong everything like, like that, what yeah. right do yeah. you have as to but i he basically took the father's side i was just <laughs> waiting for the apology and i just never got the apology like just like sorry i kind of like planted this in your brain <laughs> yep, exactly but i mean his outburst was still sick yeah no i still that was really good writing i uh i like do you that. think you were god or yeah. something like yeah. that yeah it was really good and that was the entire thing with the entire like the Watching Brandon maneuver himself around the party as he was playing God. He was yeah. playing matchmaker and he was, you know, setting people up and just toying with them the entire time. Yeah, and with the exception of Rupert, it was just it was cool seeing him because these people were clueless and they were yeah. dumb human beings other than uh the um discount Audrey Hepburn uh person. <laughs> What's her name? <laughs> she is um Joan Chandler. Joan Chandler, yeah. Other than her, like, discount yeah. Audrey Hepburn. I, I thought it was Audrey Hepburn for, like, a good solid three minutes, and, and I'm like, no, it's not. I think one of the, the coolest parts about that is that, you know, they, they did figure out what happened. They just never suspected them to be capable of murder. She oh, yeah. accused them of kidnapping them, mm-hmm. of yeah, kidnapping yeah. David. and She never did anything know, about it. Nobody yeah. did anything about it. No, because they, they hardly suspected them to be capable of kidnapping him, exactly. let alone murdering him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, in my research... Uh, for this, especially the play, the the two guys are pretty, uh, like Brandon and Philip, are pretty outwardly uh, homosexual towards each other, and I didn't really get that in the movie. Yeah. That would have been a cool thing to play up. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I didn't see it. I didn't see I it didn't at see all, it really. Either. But I'm so I'm looking at IMDb here, and the plot keywords, one of them is gay subtext, hmm. and I just didn't really get that. No, I think it would have helped a lot more to like because you kind of I kind of questioned for a little bit like why philip is there in the first place like i get he's like weak and he just follows along but i think it would have been a much stronger um motive uh like sexual or attraction towards john Dahl would have been a much better motive than just oh i'm a weakling so i have to follow this murdering mm-hmm. psychopath yeah i think it would have helped but i i mean it didn't i could hurt. understand yeah. if they they removed that from the movie like i imagine if that was an intended subplot that it was probably more I don't know, obvious in the play. Yeah. And they probably took it out for this adaptation because this yeah. was 1948, right? Yeah. People weren't exactly okay with that like yeah, 10 no, years ago, yeah. let alone 50. Yeah. I clicked on, I just want to, want to say, I clicked on gay subtext <laughs> for the, for on IMDb and it took me to the thing. The top result for gay subtext is hot fuzz. No, I get that. <laughs> right. Just thought I'd let everybody know. But that's the top result. Yeah, I feel the, like there are the movies. Top thing. I feel like there are other movies with heavier 
gay subtext. Agreed. Now I'm just trying yeah, to think. Ben Hur is the is the second one. All right, so back to Rome. <laughs> yeah, back to Rome. Um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting because it could have. Uh, like I understand why they kept it out, but I want to read the play now because that could have totally added another dimension to the characters. Yeah, and there could have been a lot more like interesting dialogue and stuff yeah. going on. Like more like be cool. comforting each other at the or like I guess Brandon comforting Philip, mm-hmm. and then as Philip starts to like drink more and freak mm-hmm. out more, he could have just like tossed him aside, kind of. Yeah. Rather than just outwardly just kind of commanding him from the very start. Yeah. I think that was important though to their relationship. Like even if you included the gay subsects, I think that would still be there because they represented two very different sides of of dealing with it where one was you know he was still strong in his beliefs and completely okay with what he had done and he was getting off on it he was excited about it and and even happier than he had been coming up with the plan Mm. while uh what's his what the philip 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 was immediately reversed back to his humanity and he's we can identify with him and what he's going through even though we've never committed murder Mm -hmm. he reacts as any of us might have yeah yeah, yeah. He's immediately ashamed of what he's done. I still would have thought that would be that would be kind of more like a Lady Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth situation. Oh yeah, that would have been I get that. that would have been interesting if there was some sort of romance involved. Like, but no, I, I still liked it. Like, yeah. It doesn't hurt the play. I mean, movie. Real quick, because we're coming up on time here. Real quick, wanted to get into the uh, the Ubermensch thing because I I really like that from the very beginning when they were talking about like the intellectual basis behind. Um, somebody being superior to another person and that's mm-hmm. why they killed him mm-hmm. like because that was a huge reason that they killed him in the first place it was just like they wanted to see if they can get away with it and also because they felt superior yeah that was a big thing but big mm-hmm. philosophy behind rupert's um thinking and yeah i was like i was like ubermensch just say it please <laughs> you're college students mm-hmm. and then they did and they addressed it yeah it's like that this movie wasn't like babying you yeah exactly like. <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I felt like if they didn't address it, I would have been pissed off. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably. You would have right to be, but yeah, because I, it, it was important. To... That was the theory that they were working off of was that entire idea of the Ubermensch, the intellectual superior, and then the people underneath them. Yeah, yeah. But because like it works in the same way, kind of crime and punishment does in mm-hmm. the sense where like Absolutely. Raskolnikov does not get away with it. No, he he kind of is the Philip. Yeah, no, he, he, kind he of breaks down. And that's interesting. It was. Uh... It was Philip who said, like, the crime and punishment reference yeah. as well. Because, like, because Philip is the one who eventually, like, I forget what Raskolnikov does. He confesses, right? He goes to the mm-hmm. police station yeah, and confesses. He, yeah, he confesses. Yeah, and then Philip is the one who, like, starts breaking down, breaking down, breaking down, and almost confess, pretty much confesses in the mm-hmm. metronome scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, yeah. And then they get caught, basically, because mm-hmm. James Stewart figures it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of like a a disproving of the theory of the Ubermensch, kind of in the same way that Crime and Punishment does. Mm-hmm. And I like that they addressed what Hitler did wrong with the Ubermensch. You know, they he, they looked down upon that. They they oh, I forget exactly what he said, but he made mention of, you know, them all being pigs or something, or just out for murder, and they kind of expanded upon what it really meant to to have the ability to murder someone, and that it wasn't so much about just killing them but it was an art form it was yeah an expression mm-hmm. and it was something that they were entitled to and yeah. was, yeah, just kind of expanding on the philosophy of it yeah, yeah i get you it's really cool yeah i always think that's an interesting idea to like kind of tackle because like yeah you see in crime and punishment and uh rope you see like the the bad sides to this philosophy but then you get 
Like, um, hmm. No, oh, but like, then size <laughs> that. Like I don't know. Like no, it's like <laughs> like Malcolm McDowell and Clockwork Orange at the beginning. I, I wouldn't know. say that. I would just say because like James Stewart in his monologue, he says like, uh, "You started off with this hatred and all that yeah. stuff," but then. He raises, he doesn't say it, but he kind of raises the question to the audience, just like, what would happen if there was, like, a good in a person and they became an ubermensch? Like, like yeah. I'd say Batman. Batman is actually an example of an ubermensch. Where or Superman. Like, or Superman, too. <laughs> Superman right? is like... I like Batman better. Stop with the... <laughs> no, I don't want to say Superman is an example of Superman. I want to say Batman. <laughs> you know, ubermensch, like, almost directly translates I use to, Batman. Right. I, I think, understand. I think Batman fits a little bit better because he doesn't have superpowers... Fair he's enough. like yeah. another common no, person a, who is only elevated by his his status. Yeah, and I say he has a much better connection with like the law and like yeah. actual human morals. Like Superman does too, but it's like Batman has this direct connection constantly. Like with Gordon Superman's more of an outsider. Exactly. You know, Fair enough. But it's like you see the Ubermensch like working there. Like that's to us, like to people with morals, that's mm-hmm. what an Ubermensch should be because we have this sense of right and wrong. Yeah. And we have a person who is willing to go above that in order to protect it. Yeah. But I think that's something to consider. Yeah, two sides of a of a coin. There. It's not so much about murder for fun as it is murder for societal necessity. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is, like, that's us who are, like, influenced by morality saying what an Ubermensch should be. But the mm-hmm. whole point of the Ubermensch is that it doesn't matter to him and it shouldn't matter. I thought the the Ubermensch that was addressed in this film was going above the law, not not necessarily morality, but being above the law and, and well, outside. Well, in a sense, the, like law, like most of our laws, like including the murder one, is a is our definition of yeah. morality. And so you would find it immoral to murder even you know uh, somebody breaking the law. Exactly. Whereas they might. Yeah, but that's you know. that's our rules. Whereas like an Ubermensch is above these rules. Yeah. So it's they like, can they can know when to defy morality. Yeah, exactly. Like I could imagine like, myself what I would be like as an Ubermensch, and I would like, oh, of course I would use my my power and superiority yeah. to help others. But that's because I have these morals within me. I'm not above them. And I think that's kind of the where Rupert comes from saying all this because he could exactly. never bring himself to murder another mm-hmm. person. But yeah. he can, you know, theorize on it from where he stands. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he sees, he sees people acting on what he said. But like, they didn't feel they felt they were superior because they were smarter. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's yeah. where that's why he kind of really got pissed off because it's yeah. like, how how do you feel superior because you're smarter than another human being? Yeah, like intellectually, like oh, you went to Harvard and now you can you have the right to kill people. Yeah. Like, that's where see... his theory really started to crack and break down, and that's why he got pissed off mm. and as you you get more background on david you find out that they're pretty similar characters david's just a better person yeah, yeah. you know he's kinder and like more caring and they're both harvard graduates you know mm-hmm. it's not like he's significantly dumber than brandon might be mm-hmm. exactly but, yeah and they like especially with kenneth too like it's addressed mm-hmm. how uh kenneth he's not as smart as them but he's still like a harvard graduate yeah and he's, he just has to work harder for it because he's not as smart yeah mm-hmm. and but even then they still like totally condescend to him and they put him in this really awkward situation. Yeah. Yeah. They just imagine themselves. And Brendan imagines him, himself to be above everybody else. Yeah. Even it's though they're all very true. similar people. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're at time now. We went over by five minutes. Anything else you guys want to say? Watch this movie if you haven't 
Uh, yeah, you probably shouldn't have listened to this podcast if you haven't watched the movie. <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't know. I'm glad I watched it. I'll probably watch more Hitchcock now, or at definitely. least be. No, I'm know, going home tonight less... and watching something. You know? Going, you're going home, Jack, from your home. My other home. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I forget, but yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch more Hitchcock. I'm, yeah, I want to check out Psycho and all the other. And I'll probably be more open to older movies now. Mm-hmm. yeah that definitely this. because this is like i'm finding a lot more i'm watching more old movies now and uh i'm finding that a lot more are actually exciting whereas yeah. i guess i just started out with the boring ones but yeah uh, i yeah. mean sometimes the quality of the the picture can be enough to take you out of the movie mm-hmm. you know to to not yeah. immerse you for us but, now watching these uh like 4k yeah but, I think, but like, even with yeah. this especially with this movie just the rest the plot and the dialogue and the the cinematics were yeah. enough to keep me in even though the video quality was pretty mediocre yeah. as well as the acting like this is one yeah. of the first ones where the, the acting parallels movies that i i see now like yeah. some some old movies are just they're, they're crap yeah, like they're bad. the actors aren't good like, yeah. sorry but um but yeah i'm watching more and more now including especially rope where it's just like these are very talented individuals mm-hmm. on screen and i yeah. think you should give them a chance for sure yeah Alrighty, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the watchmen if you like this podcast you can check out our other podcast the suburbanites podcast our weekly pop culture uh discussion where we talk about everything having to do with movies tv and video games you can not also books though never books, books jack eh, occasionally books <laughs> salinger sorry we occasionally talk about books whenever you're on whenever i'm on um and if you like that you can follow us on soundcloud for updates on all of our uploads you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter if you want updates on things that aren't our uploads and if you really like us you can give us money on patreon and we'll love you forever every nickel counts that's true not pennies, though. Not pennies. Well, I mean... We don't care about pennies. We'll take Shut your... up. I'll take a penny. <laughs> <laughs> He'll take a penny. So again, thank you very much for listening. And again, next month we're going to be watching The Deer Hunter. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Chris. I'm Jack. And we'll see you then. Peace.